Well, I'm going to direct you to the bulletin. Um, we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages of Scripture today um, as we begin. So there's a place uh, to take notes also inside the bulletin. Um, and we'll also see the verses we're going to be looking at up here on the screen. Uh, I, I do want to say Happy Father's Day. Um, so way to go, guys. You did it. Fathers, yay. <laughs> um, as Luigi said at the beginning of the service, like this is the perfect day to be in church um, because we see that God in the scriptures is our heavenly father. Um, we see that over and over and over again. To, to know that God can be a father to you is a source of comfort and strength. Um, it tells us that God is not just sort of, he doesn't just see everything and, you know, he's like looking to, you know, to, to swat us if we screw up, although some of our fathers may make us feel like that's how God treats us. That's not. Um, God's presence is good news for us. And when we see that, we receive his comfort and his encouragement. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the fatherhood of God. We're going to see how God as father treats us. And, and as we do that, um, this also stretches the dads among us, myself included. Um, this stretches us as dads here on earth to make sure that we are letting the work of Jesus come through us as we care for our wives, as we care for our families. Um, we get to display more of God's fatherly care as, um, as we interact with people in our lives. The more we see God, the more we become like him. That's sort of what's one of the promises of the gospel. And in addition to that, um, we're also, as a church, we are looking for men who can image God as father. We're looking for men who reflect God's fatherly image to lead our church. Um, we call the leaders that we elect elders. They're called elders. And, and we're in this series called Servants and leaders, oh, the joy. Um, that's something. Servants and leaders, and today we're going to begin to talk about the kind of men that God calls to lead in the church. Uh, the Bible says that elders, first and foremost, have to be shepherds. Okay, they have to be shepherds. And I wanted us to read this passage in First Peter chapter 5 that's in your bulletin. Um, we're going to read it over and just talk about what it means and begin there. Um, we're going to move on to um, to discuss this. And so, First Peter four, or First Peter five. All right, I think I think we're both in. Good. So, all right, First Peter five one to four. This is God's word. So I. This is Peter talking, the Apostle Peter, right? One of the twelve, not the Pope of the Church, because look what he says about himself. So he says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. So Peter considers himself just an elder of the church and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So this is Peter as an elder telling the elders of the church how they're supposed to act. What does he say? Verse two, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in you have uh, over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
And so the summary of what Peter says here is that beginning of verse 2, that the central command here is to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, for some of you, this is a new idea. This is a new concept. You know, what, is, what does a shepherd have to do with leadership and the church? Well, the Bible says, actually, that people are like sheep. Now, some people, even scholars, say the Bible says that because people are stupid and they wander off a lot. Um, I don't think that's why the Bible uses this image. I don't think it's as degrading as that. Um, this image is used in the Bible because the Bible was written during a time uh, of a more agricultural society. Uh, it was written in a society where shepherds and sheep were very common. And 1,000 years before Peter wrote this, okay, 1,000 years before Peter wrote this, um, the idea to shepherd the flock of God, there was a king among God's people. It was King David. Many of you maybe have heard of him. Um, and David wrote the most famous song in the whole Bible. Um, and in this song, God himself is a shepherd. Okay? And this image of shepherd shows us God's leadership. It shows us how elders are called to lead. So the idea of shepherding is not so much a negative on the sheep, but it's actually a descriptor. It's a description of what good leadership that reflects God's leadership is and does in the church. And so as we look at Psalm 23 next, um, we're going to see, we're, and we're going to be looking for not just an appreciation of how God leads us, but we're going to be looking for men in our church who are doing this and who we want to do this for our church as elders. Okay, And as we do that, also, dads, I want you to keep in mind, I want you to keep in mind that this is designed also for you as you think about what it means for you to be a dad uh, to your children in your family. And so let's read this song. It's Psalm 23. Um, it's going to be up here on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. So again, this is God's word. Let's read it together. No, I'm not out loud. Sorry. Let's read it at the same time. Your eyes, my mouth. <laughs> The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you have heard this. Some of you have memorized it. Sometimes with verses that are familiar to us, we can lose what's actually going on here. We've heard it so many times. We look for what we expect to hear, and we can miss things. Um, what I want you to see is that this image of a shepherd, of God as shepherd, it's a beautiful image. Uh, it's an amazing poetic exaltation of God and his care for his people. 
Okay, this song, this poem, it begins as a metaphor, but the reality of the metaphor is like trying to break through. It's like David wants to use this image, and yet the reality that's underneath the image, it's like cracking through the dam. Like the dam is the, the, the metaphor is holding the, the water in, but, but, but it starts to crack. Um, it trickles out in the phrase paths of righteousness in verse 3. Do you see where it says that? He leads me in paths of righteousness. I mean, sheep don't care about righteousness, right? Sheep have no concept of what righteousness is. Um, But David is applying the metaphor to himself. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd. And the dam of this metaphor finally bursts and the reality comes out at the end. He says, you are with me. You anoint me with oil. My cup overflows. I will dwell in God's house forever. And so what begins as a metaphor ends in this amazingly glorious, comforting, uh, and, and radically transforming relationship that David has with God, who is his shepherd. I mean, it's a metaphor, but David, it's like he can't hide behind the image. He wants so much to glory in what it means to have God as a shepherd that God is my leader, that God leads me and he takes care of me. And this song had such a huge impact on Israel. From almost the moment that it was penned, it began, it just, it began, it went viral. (laughs) It went viral and we see this image show up over and over and over again in the Bible, in other parts of the Bible. Um, For a thousand years it was used. And then Peter picks this image up in his address to the church, to the elders of the church, and he tells them, shepherd the flock of God. It's so rich and meaningful. And so what we see in 1 Peter 5 is that elders, first and foremost, they are shepherds. And to understand what shepherds are, what to understand what elders are supposed to do, we have to dive in and see, well, what is it that God does as our shepherd? And this is how we know who we should nominate to become elders in our church, um, who we should nominate um, as even women who can assist the elders in the shepherding work that they do. We want to be able to pick the right leaders in our church. And as we do that again, I just want to keep coming back and saying, dads, this is also going to show you how you can lead in your family. Um, And not only that, This is going to show us how everyone, I mean, this is going to touch everybody, not just elders, not just dads, but every one of us is called in some way to shepherd other people. We're called to lead and care for other people as we um, live in a relationship with God and as we live in spiritual friendships with each other. Okay, and so let's look at Psalm 23. We're going to walk through this and apply it in these different ways. And so first... What is God? So let's see here. We have shepherds are God, elders, and dads, officially. Um, The first thing that they do is they reshape your heart so that you are satisfied with God. Okay, this is verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes the Bible says things, and we go, oh, that sounds great, but... (laughs) 
then we look at what, it's, what it actually means and we feel like, whoa, like what it says is so far from where I am. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I don't need anything else. Can you say that today? What shepherds do is they satisfy us. Um, They don't satisfy our every whim and desire, but they give us everything that we need so that we can live the best life we can possibly live. And so shepherds help us understand that we actually don't need anything else but God. If we have God, nothing else matters. People who understand that God is their shepherd, they're convinced of what Romans 8 says. They're convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. They're convinced that nothing present, nothing future, nothing past, nothing on earth, no one can separate us from God's love. No one can steal from us the best life we could possibly live. If the Lord is your shepherd, there is nothing that you need that you don't have. Gosh, doesn't that reorient you? Doesn't that reshape your heart? I mean, I'm guessing that you're sitting there going, all right, I understand what you're saying, but I don't feel that way. There's all kinds of stuff that I want. There's all kinds of stuff that I think I need. And I want to invite you to take these words onto your lips and to say, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. That means, God, when I look at my life, I am going to make every effort to believe that I have what I need. This is who I am. This is where you've called me. I don't want anything else. I need a shepherd to convince me and to teach me and to train me so that I can believe this is true. We need elders that can help us with that. We need elders to shepherd us. And how do they do that? Well, what comes next in the psalm is that shepherds feed your soul. They give us gospel truth and grace. This is verses 2 and 3. Say, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And so again, this is an image. This is a metaphor. right? And what we see here is that God feeds us with green grass. If you're a sheep, that's good news. That's like brownie batter poured over cheesecake, right? Green pastures, right? Um, God gives us the food of his word. It's the food of the truth of the gospel. It's the good news that gives us strength. It gives us power. It unites us to him. Psalm 19 says that the instruction of the Lord is uh, perfect, restoring the soul. It shapes us. It builds us up. It gives us perspective. It gives us 
hope. It gives us comfort. It gives us meaning. It gives us significance. It gives us a mission. Um, God is constantly with his word leading us into green pastures. He's constantly building us up so that we would know him, so we would know what he thinks, we would know how he feels. And it's not just truth, but God gives us grace. It's not just green pastures, but it's still waters. It's still waters. God leads us to rest and refreshment. God leads us to places of quiet and calm. He gives us assurance because in the gospel, it's not about what we do. We don't have to perform to earn from God. That's not the gospel. The gospel says that it starts with what Jesus has done for you. Jesus lived a perfect life so that you are accepted by God, well-loved by him, adopted into his family, and you stand in the presence of God's glory, blameless, with great joy. Why? Not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. This is why Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, because we've been justified by faith, because we've been declared righteous by God by faith, we have peace with him. We have peace with God. These are the still waters. In the gospel, God gives us rest. He tells us to rest first near the still waters. He gives us every single week, a whole day, where we have an excuse to say no to other stuff, to say no to work, and to say yes to him. These are the still waters. And we revel in the fact that God is with us through his grace, not through our performance. We need elders that can give us this truth and this grace. We need elders that can shepherd us and lead us into these places where we come back to the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word and the rest that our souls so desperately need. Dads, you need to walk in this. You need the Lord to be your shepherd so that you can shepherd your family in the, tra- in the truth and the grace of the gospel. As God fills you, he wants you then to pour in to your families. All right, the psalm goes on. The third thing shepherds do is they aim your life so that you live a life that matters. Okay, watch this. This is exciting. Um, He leads me, this is verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. It's the paths of righteousness. So, righteousness. Like this word is so important. It's so special and yet it's completely lost today. Like we don't know what righteousness is. You know, most of the time it gets used, it sounds religious, but it, it usually just sounds self-righteous. Right? Oh, these are righteous people, which typically means I'm not, you know, in some kind of way. Um, what does the word righteousness mean? In the Bible, righteousness describes a person who acts in order to benefit others. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness describes someone who acts and is willing even to become less 
so that others could become more. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness describes a person who might even give their life for others, not just by dying, but they'll give their time so that other people might be advantaged. They would give their energy, their gifts, their skills, their talents to help other people. They might even give their money. Righteousness describes people that will disadvantage themselves so that others would be advantaged. That's what righteousness is. And God shepherds us to get us on this path, the path of righteousness, the path that defines and describes that the people who walk on this path are people who are good for others. Why would anybody get on this path? (laughs) Typically, you won't get on this path unless you have been blessed in great abundance by God. Usually the motivation to get on this path is you think, God has given me so much that it's all I can do to give to others. God has given to me so freely. He has led me into the green pastures of his truth and the still waters of his grace that I have got to spend the rest of my life, significant portions of the rest of my life, helping other people experience real unconditional love, extravagant grace, and the wisdom of a God who is rescuing us from ourselves. This is the path of righteousness. God leads us into this path. He teaches us how to walk on this path. And he he honors and blesses our walking on this path. If, If you're not on this path, if you're not on this path, then ultimately you are walking on a path of selfishness. And I can just tell you that if you're living for yourself, you will never, ever be satisfied. You'll never have enough. Dads, I have to remember this all the time. It is so easy to forget this. It's so easy to check out and to do my thing. It's so easy to just get lost and pick up a project dissociated from the family to not engage. It's so easy for me because Lainey will just fill in. She'll just fill in and take things. It's so easy for me to disengage And that is not the path of righteousness. That's not the path of a life that actually matters. And so we need need elders that can lead us on this path. We need elders whose lives convince us that I'm willing to make the sacrifices to get on that path because I want what they have. There are elements of what they have that I want. I'm not talking about perfect people. So the people on this path, they're not perfect. But there are elements of their lives that are enviable. Okay, you're drawn to them. You want to follow them. You want more of them in our church. You want more of them infecting who we are as a church family. So again, we're not looking for perfect people. We'll talk about more of that in a little bit. All right, the psalm goes on. These shepherds are also present when your path is hard. Okay, they're present when your path is hard. 
Um, funny thing about this path of righteousness is that we have an image of what this path looks like, and it's very different from what God's vision of this path looks like, all right? You might have seen this graphic before and have co-opted it for our purposes here. Our plan of the path of righteousness is there at the top. It's what it looks like for us, right? I mean, think about it just for a second. Don't look at the diagrams yet for a second. Right here. So when you think about the path of righteousness, you think, yeah, and if I do these things right, it'll be easy. Life should be easy, right? God will bless me. Things will be great. God will be like, hey, you're doing such a great job. You're such a giver. You're such a servant. Man, it's easy street for you. Isn't there a Bible verse that says every valley will be raised up? Every hill will be brought low. That's it. That's it. The path of righteousness. It should be easy for us, right? It's like, no, that verse is out of context. That's not what that verse is talking about. The Bible does say that, but it's talking about something different. It's talk- Well, yeah, I'm not even talking about that. So here's God's plan. This is the path of righteousness for us. It is over the river and through the woods, not to grandmother's house. It's through the rocks, across the bridge, with the zip line, through the storms and the steep cliffs. That, I mean, that is the path of righteousness. So I just want you to know that if you have been feeling like at the beginning, you were like, hey, I want God as my shepherd. Yeah, I'd like him to lead me into green pastures and still waters. Yeah, I'm in, I'm good. Well, I just want you to know this is what the path of your life is going to look like if you say yes to God. If you let him be your shepherd, this is where he's going to lead you. Okay? This is where he's going. And he's going to tell you to follow him. Okay? Why does he do this? Why does it have to be so hard? It's a, I mean, really, like, why? Like, why? Come on. Like, why does it have to be so hard? I'm like thinking about this right now. Why? Um, I think, I think it's because what the world needs is not to see a bunch of people coasting through life. What the world needs to see are people who are in the hell that they are going through and have a hope that's getting them through. So this is the path that God leads us on. It's not easy. The good news, though, is that though God leads you here, God will not leave you here. Okay? So if you're going to tweet something out, maybe that could be a tweetable moment, right? God leads you here, but he won't leave you here. Because look at what verse 4 says. Even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's saying, even though, yes, even in death, I will fear no evil. I have no fear because God, my shepherd, is with me. He comforts me with purpose, with assurance, even in the worst situations. All kinds of tragedy. Divorce, death, family breakups, friendships that dissolve, depression. I mean, the death in small ways, like the deaths that we feel in our lives, the death of problems that we can't solve, the death of 
of, of issues that just won't go away. God is with us. He is with us in the middle of it. And we need elders who can be shepherds like this for us. There are times when you will go to God in prayer and he will meet you there. There's times when you will go to the Bible and God will meet you in his word. And then there are times when it's so difficult that you need someone in flesh and blood looking at you, looking into your eyes, telling you it's going to be okay, bringing you back to the gospel. Sometimes you need someone not to look at you, but to hug you, to convince you in flesh and blood that God is with you. And we need elders to do this. We need elders not just to do this, but to get all of us to do this for each other. Several years ago, um, three years ago, we found out that my son Ryan had OCD. And we realized that the anxiety issues that he was dealing with were not issues of just normal um, childing, like child disobedience or immaturity. And my heart sank because I didn't know what to do. And, um, and it hit Lainey especially badly. Um, she went into this downward spiral of anxiety and depression and isolation. And I remember this one morning where I'd gotten up and I was trying to get ready and I came in to see her. She was still in bed. And, um, and she just she couldn't get out of bed. I prayed with her. We looked at a psalm together, and um, and she just was like, "Just go, like I'm not moving, but just go, like there's nothing you can do here." And um, and so I left, and I had a meeting, and I had a meeting with um, with Jim Hopkins, who's one of our elders, and he said, "Hey, how you doing?" As I sat down, and I just like lost it. Um, I said, "I'm not doing well." Lainey is in bed and Ryan has OCD, and I don't know what to do. And, uh, and he just looked at me and he said, um, he said when, when we got the call about Julia, his daughter, having Down syndrome, he said, I didn't know what I was going to do. He said, I had this empty feeling. And yet, in the midst of it all, God has been with us. And what he said put ground under my feet, if you know what I mean. Like what he said caused the falling to stop. And I didn't have answers. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do about Lainey or about Ryan. Um, but I knew I wasn't alone. And Jim had put me with himself on the rock of Jesus. This is what we need. We need elders who can do this for us. We need elders who can do this for us so that we can turn around and do this for others.
so that our family as a church, so our church can be a family of strength and support. says the rod and the staff of God comfort us. These were tools of the shepherd that kept wayward sheep from getting off the path. Um, they would lead us back in and back on to the path. Um, there's something in here that I'm going to talk about next week because I don't have time to talk about it now. But, um, you know, and, and what this does, David goes on to say, um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I just want you to see that what David is describing here is God's path of righteousness. It's in the midst of his enemies that God blesses him with abundance and assurance and his presence. It's in, the, it's in the waves, it's climbing the cliff, it's in the storm, it's through the rocks. Like that's where the end of this psalm exists. David sees the goodness and the mercy of God and he's convinced that it will be with him no matter how long this path is, no matter what he can't even see is on the path in the future. And how does he know this? It's because the Lord was his shepherd. It's because David had a life cultivating a life of a relationship with God. If God is our shepherd, then we are his sheep. There's a call for us to follow him. And what does this mean? Well, this means that we actually need to spend time with God. So often, we don't feel God's presence. So often, we don't have these things. We don't sense that God is with us. We don't feel his comfort. We don't have this reality. We don't even know what it looks like to have a table set before us in the presence of our enemies. And we wonder, God, where are you? And God says, I've been here all along. You're just ignoring me. I was talking to Amanda, my, my daughter, this week because she's been in, in, engaged in a friendship that has been a friendship of hers for some time, but lately has, the friendship has gone just to this next level. And so I said, hey, Amanda, it seems like this friendship has really taken off. It's gotten so much better in the last couple of weeks. And she goes, yeah, you're right. Why is that? Like, what's different? Well, it's because we've been spending so much time together. It's like, hey, Amanda... That's how it is with God. And she goes, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, there aren't any shortcuts, friends. Um, sometimes we don't feel God because we're just not spending time with him. Um, and if he is our shepherd, we need to follow. We need to chase after him. We need to listen for his voice. And his voice comes to us through the scriptures as we pray. 
His voice comes to us through our spiritual friendships in the church. It happens in life group. It happens here on Sundays and after Sundays. It happens during the week as we're interacting with each other. Um, It is hard sometimes to hear the voice of God. I understand what it's like to go to the Bible, read it, spend time reading it, try to understand it, close it, walk away and go, I have no idea what I just read. If that's where you're at, then you just need other people in your life too. You need to hear the voice of God with others. You need to be in community. Um, And we need elders in our church. We need leaders in our church um, who can help us understand the Bible, um, who can help us grow so that we can learn how to feed even ourselves. Um, so that we're not just like infants who constantly need to be spoon-fed. I want all of you to be able to read the Bible, and it's not like the heavens are going to open, you're going to hear God audibly speak to you every time, but I want you all to grow so that you can get to a place where you have the sense of, yeah, I can read the Bible and it benefits my life. Like I'm growing closer to God. I feel like I have this relationship with him. That's what I want for every one of you. And we need more elders so that we can train the leaders that we need so that every one of you can be taught how to do that, can grow in that, and so that you can get to a place where you actually might be one of the people who helps someone else in our church to get that for themselves. And so we're looking for shepherds who not only shepherd us, but shepherd us so that we can become sort of like under shepherds so that we can know how to help others. What we see in the rest of the story is that this God who is a shepherd in Psalm 23, he comes He comes in Jesus. If you haven't gone to Jesus already, let me bring you there. In John chapter 10, I think this is just a couple of slides beyond. In John chapter 10, there we go. Jesus says, the thief only comes to steal and destroy and kill. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is like, hey, Psalm 23, guess what? It's me. I am the Lord who is your shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus came to be our good shepherd. Jesus is with us. Is he with us all the way to the, through the valley of the shadow of death? Yes. How do we know? Because he went to the cross. Because Jesus doesn't stop loving us ever. He goes to the uttermost, giving his life for us so that we would know he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. So that you could know in the valley of the shadow of death, 
whether the death is literal death or the death is the thousand deaths that we die as, the, as our lives break apart, as things are frustrating, as tragedy hits and strikes, Jesus has gone all the way so that we will know that he'll be with us all the way. And so we're looking, friends, we're looking for men. We're looking for men who can lead us ultimately to Jesus could bring us to the gospel and the good news of it. As Mike said earlier, you've got a nomination form in your bulletin. Um, it has instructions. There are also, like Mike said, there's a, this is only three pages. It's not as long as, as Mike seemed to indicate that it was. Um, we do respect your time, but we also want you to be informed. You know, what do elders do and what do they need to be like? Um, what do deacons do and what do they need to be like? Um, and then what does it look like for us to appoint men and women to be assistants to both? And so please, um, there's about 20 of these on the, in the, on the table in the, in the cafe space after the service. We're also going to email these out so you can read this on your own. But I want you to take the time to process and ask yourself, like, who is it? In whom do I see these qualities? In whom do I see... Um, that I would like to follow because they would lead me to Jesus. We want you to nominate those men to be elders. If there are women in our church that you feel like have these gifts, we want you to nominate them to be assistants to the elders. Okay? Because as we said a few weeks ago, the best men that God wants are men who know that they're limited, who know that they cannot lead without the advice, the wisdom, and the input of women. And so, um, so again, take that seriously. If you have questions, you can tell me and talk to me. Um, yeah. There's a question that I want to answer that I cannot answer today, and I apologize for that. I even promised at least one person I was going to answer that question today, and that is, why do elders have to be men? And the problem is I've got probably about 15 minutes of information to help you understand that, and I don't have time to do that now. This is not a cop-out. This is me trying to be sensitive as your shepherd to not like jam more food than you can eat down your throat today. So next week, I promise, I will talk about that question, specifically answering why do elders have to be men, and then how do we make sure that we have a church that's fully engaged men and women. We'll talk about that next week. And so let's go to the Lord now and pray. Jesus, thank you for showing us the face of God, for showing us the hands and the feet of God. Thank you that you are willing to let those hands and feet that came to us, that sought us out, that have served us, you allowed those hands and feet to be pierced with nails for our sins. Jesus, thank you that you don't look for perfect shepherds because you only are the perfect shepherd. But you're looking for forgiven, not perfect men, but forgiven men to lead us in this way. Jesus, put on our hearts the men that we want, that we need, who can shepherd our church. And I pray too that you would inspire us as well to know who the women are that can assist our elders so that they would do their job well. And Jesus, I pray too that there are those here who don't know you. I pray that they would see how seriously we take leadership, how serious you take leadership, that they would be drawn to you as their shepherd. 
reach out to them and help them to see that you would be with them if they would worship you. Amen.